Hello and welcome to Storehouse 7 Ministries with me, Chris Whitland. I do apologise. Um, I have missed out a section on chapter 21. Uh, it should be a part four and I confused myself. So here's today's part four to chapter 21. I know I've just come out with chapter 22, but uh, I forgot to finish off the previous chapter, which was done, but I just forgot to record it. So uh, let's get to it, shall we? Shall we? So we're going to start from Revelation 21, verse 21. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each one of the gates was a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. So here we have the twelve pearly gates of the New Jerusalem. We have three gates on all four sides of the New Jerusalem. These gates are similar to the Old Jerusalem, which had eight gates around all its walls, north, south, east, and west. But there are older forms of Jerusalem that, according to books such as Nehemiah, etc., list between 10 to 12 gates. Uh, here is a list of 15 currently known gates. Um, so Damascus Gate, Jaffa Gate, Zion Gate, Herod's Gate, Dung Gate, New Gate, Beautiful Gate, Ablution Gate, Chain Gate, Council Gate, Forgiveness Gate, Gate of Darkness, Gate of Tribes, uh, Moore's Gate, Tanner's Gate. So the gates of the New Jerusalem are symmetrically aligned, three gates on the east, three on the north, etc. And each gate bears the inscription of one of the tribes of Israel, and each gate is guarded by an angel. Now, this interestingly links up to and is similar to the millennial temple built during Jesus' return to earth, aka Ezekiel's temple. In Ezekiel chapter 48, verses 30 to 34, it states how the exits of the city will have three gates on each side representing all the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, as already stated in this commentary, the Jewishness of the New, uh, New Jerusalem is clear, both in its gates and foundation stones. It needs to be eternally remembered that salvation comes from the Jews, that Israel is a light to all nations, and that God will never revoke Israel's status as his chosen people. For more on that, see Isaiah 49 verses 5 to 7, Romans 9, 23 to 25, and a Romans 11, 29. Now, angels, they guard the gates of the New Jerusalem as an angel once guarded Eden after man's fall. For nothing impure will enter the New Jerusalem. Revelation 21 verse 27. Now, each gate is made from a single pearl showing the grand opulence, majesty and beauty of God who created it. Also, these gates never close. It's open for all to come and go as they please in the new heaven and on the new earth. The gates also face, face each side of the compass, which is inviting all the nations to enter within. For more on that, see Revelation 21 verses 24 to 27, which we'll get to a little bit later. Revelation 21 verse 22. I saw no temple or sanctuary in it, for the Lord God the Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Now, here we see something very remarkable. The tabernacle structure of heaven, of which the Old Testament tabernacle and temple were based upon, comes to a conclusion and an end. The New Jerusalem has no sanctuary or temple within it. Now, remember, throughout this commentary, all the references to the tabernacle, the sanctuary, and temple in heaven now all come to an end when the old earth and heaven are destroyed in fire. So God and Jesus, moving into this city, become its temple, and they move out of the old throne room and sanctuary, and this clearly shows how all things will become new 
and how the old things will be brought to a close. The old tabernacle in heaven, the Mosaic law, will all come to a close at the end of the millennial reign of Christ. Matthew 5.18 For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the Torah, the law, until everything is accomplished. So when the old heaven and earth disappear, the whole Torah and heavenly tabernacle come to an end, and now in the new heaven and new earth, a whole new dispensation and administration can begin, because all things are made new. Now, many of you listening or reading this may have never truly considered all this before, but this is a very remarkable moment in future history, which will literally change heaven and earth as one administration comes to a close and another begins. Revelation 21:23 And the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it or on it for the glory of God has illumined it and its lamp is the lamb. As we know the new Jerusalem is filled with the glory of God and from this verse is perpetually lit from within by God's glory. However, the new earth may still have a sun and a moon as the new earth will still need to be lit. Now, either the new Jerusalem is so bright that it acts as a sun to the new earth or it's just the city that is perpetually lit from within with the new earth having its own sun and moon. Now, I'm supposing that what we see on the new heaven and earth is going to be similar to what Isaiah says when Christ is ruling during the millennial reign. Isaiah 24:23 says, uh, that the moon will be abashed and the sun ashamed for the Lord of hosts will reign on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem and his glory before the elders. The millennial reign of Christ is in part a shadow and type of the new earth and new Jerusalem that is still yet to come. So if this is the case, Jerusalem glows with the glory of Christ during the millennial reign, yet the sun and the moon still operate, but their glory is greatly diminished compared to that of Jesus hence why they're abashed or embarrassed. So it stands to logical reason that this will be true in the new earth. Well, I say it stands to logical reason. I'm conjecturing at best. Uh, So this may be true in the new earth and the new Jerusalem. And the new Jerusalem will glow with God's glory, yet the rest of the earth is still likely lit by the sun in the day and the moon by night. But, and there's always a but when it comes to scripture, there could be another side to this, where indeed there is no sun or moon at all. Let's read Isaiah 60, verses 19 to 20. No longer will you have the sun for light by day, nor for brightness will the moon give you light, but you will have the Lord for an everlasting light and your God for your glory. Your sun will no longer set, nor will your moon wane, for you will have the Lord for an everlasting light and the days of your morning will be over. So the question we are left with is, well, what's the answer? Sun? Or no sun? Well, who cares? (laughs) It will be so awesome to be in the New Jerusalem with God that I don't think we'll really care if there's a sun or not. But it is good to search the scriptures on this matter. But maybe Revelation 21, 24 to 26 may help us with this question that we have been looking at, which states, The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Now in the daytime, For there will be no night there, its gates will never be closed, and they will bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. Hallelujah. Now it seems clear that within the New Jerusalem there is never any night, just constant light from the glory of God. 
Verses 24 to 26 also raise some interesting points of theology, which slays a sacred cow or two from the Hebrew roots camp. There are some, not all in the Hebrew roots camp, who state that when we become a believer in Jesus, that we join the one new man and thus become Jewish. But this is simply not so. And these verses here in Revelation reveal quite clearly and strikingly that this isn't so. In verse 24, it mentions the nations walking by the light of the city. And in verse 26, that the nations bring their glory and honor into the city. The Greek word here in the scriptures for nations is ethnos, which is where we get words such as ethnic and ethnicity. If we all become Jewish at our conversion, how is it that many different ethnic races are entering the new Jerusalem? Simple. The Hebrew roots camp simply have it wrong. Now, not all in the Hebrew roots camp believe this, but some do. Yes, we are merged into the one new man at our conversion, but we retain our ethnicity and culture for we are a wild olive grafted into the natural branch. Being a Christian does not mean we become Jewish and have to practice Jewish customs or Torah. This is made evidently clear in Acts chapter 15, where there was a church council that debated should Gentiles get circumcised and observed Torah. The answer was no. Yet the Gentiles were given some basic requirements to observe, which was to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, to not eat blood, to not eat meat that had been strangled, and to avoid fornication, i.e. sex outside of heterosexual marriage. Also, let's take a look at that famous One New Man verse, which you know, is often used to say, see, we become Jewish. Galatians 3.27, For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither, hang on, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Clearly, this verse is not doing away with our ethnic and gender identities. Rather, in Christ, there is no social strata of man being better than woman or vice versa, or Jew being superior to Gentile or slave less than free. In Christ, in his kingdom, we are one people, but our differences are irrelevant. The only thing that matters is the commonality of Christ who binds us into one new man, one new identity in Christ. We are the church, which is his mystical body. Revelation 21, 27. And nothing unclean and no one who practices abomination and lying shall come into it. That's the New Jerusalem. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, this verse makes it very clear that only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life will enter this wonderful heaven and earth. All the unclean, i.e. those not cleansed in the blood of Christ and all the abominable will not be uh, sorry will not be allowed or permitted in the new heaven and new earth sadly because they will be in the lake of fire this city where god dwells with man is the reward for the just it is an encouragement to the church throughout all generations to endure to the end and when things get tough to keep one's eyes on the prize our blessed eternal inheritance which god has given to us Okay, so I have correctly concluded chapter 21. Thank you uh, for someone that brought it to my attention the other day. Celia, you know who you are. Thanks for bringing that to my attention. And uh, yes, so that concludes chapter 21. Uh, Chapter 22 has already started, so please feel free to listen to that as well. We're fast approaching the end of Revelation, and I believe also we're fast approaching the end of days. So it's good to be awake. It's good to know what's going on. It's good to watch for the signs of the times. 
and be awake, but full of the joy of the Lord and not be in fear. So until next time, God bless you all, and I'll speak to you again soon. Bye-bye.